Healthy eating policies, which have advantages in some countries, could bring problems to others. That's according to an article in a special edition of the medical journal The Lancet, devoted to chronic diseases like heart disease, stroke, and diabetes, which now threaten poorer countries just as much as the affluent world. Health economist Richard Smith said that economic factors are the keys to understanding how to balance the good and bad effects of dietary change. It's certainly the case that there are benefits to be gained, of course, from healthy eating. People are healthier, then they're more productive, and they're less of a drain on the health system. But also, we have to bear in mind that whatever it is that people consume is also providing a job for somebody somewhere. So somebody will inevitably lose. Uh, it's important to identify who those are, and then think of secondary policies to to assist them, or to at least acknowledge where you might have some opposition to some of your policies from. Now, if I get this right, because of the involvement of labour and the economy, if we adopt, for instance, a healthy eating in rich countries, then if we live in a, a less rich country, there might be implications. Is that what you're saying? Uh, there are. You have to realise that the the economies are based on different things. So in a wealthy economy, we tend to have very little of our uh, economic uh, well-being is through agriculture. Whereas, of course, most low and middle-income countries have a very high uh, agricultural uh, content of their uh, economy, and a lot of that, in an increasing amount, is of course exports to the rich countries. So if we adopt healthier diets in wealthy countries, that's going to have an impact on the exports of lower middle income countries. And we have to think, what will they do? They'll either seek other markets, so they'll try to export a lot more to other countries. But if that's not possible, they might seek to increase domestic consumption. So you might see the irony of reducing chronic disease in rich countries is lower middle income countries having policies to increase consumption of these, uh, these um, uh, behaviours that are supposed to be bad for health. Or, of course, if they also uh, uh, adopt the, the healthy eating uh, in those countries, then that's a complete reduction in demand for some agricultural outputs. And they'll have to think what else to produce. It could be biofuels, uh, it, it could be other sorts of animal products, it could be just leaving the land fallow. What have you done in the study that you've used as the basis for your comments in The Lancet? For instance, you've been comparing Brazil with the UK. Mm. Yeah, what we uh, did there was just to illustrate the, um, the idea of trying to bring these things together, trying to bring out the impacts on health and the impacts on agriculture and the wider economy and the trade relationships. Uh, we're trying to illustrate and bring out the importance of these. So we use the UK and Brazil as two case studies. UK obviously a rich importing country in Brazil, um, a, a developing country that has a huge agricultural export market as well as domestic consumption. And we used a modelling approach there to assess what would be the epidemiological impacts if we had healthy eating uh, behaviours according to WHO guidelines for healthy eating around saturated fats and uh, what that would mean because obviously we'd reduce consumption of meat and dairy products so that reduced export of meat and dairy products and what would be the impacts then flowing through to agriculture in the economy. And what did you find? Uh, we, we found that it sounds fairly obvious in some ways, but in the UK we stand to gain quite a significant amount of health benefit because we have a, a, a growing um, problem with uh, diet-related chronic disease, uh, whereas in Brazil they'd have a slightly lower health benefit because their population isn't uh, quite at the levels that we are at the moment. Um, but the economic impact would be the reverse, so the UK wouldn't be as 
big an economic burden to achieve that because we don't have very much of a we don't have the size of domestic agricultural sector. Whereas in Brazil, uh, certainly if you had some reductions in domestic demand because they were eating more healthily and added in that reduction in exports to countries like the UK, it had a very significant effect on some of the agricultural sectors in Brazil. Practically, then, what is to be done about this? Because we do need international agreements, don't we? Oh, of course, but it's about identifying where the, the, the winners and the losers are in, in all this and thinking about policy. So one example is if we have uh, a policy, for example, of, uh, of, of aid um, to low-middle-income countries, um, but we also have policies in the health sector that are encouraging healthy eating, one would hope those might tie up a little bit. So maybe some of the overseas development aid should be going to support the agricultural sectors that you're impacting on through your healthy eating policies, for, for example. Could you, in fact, influence international trade in such a way that encouragement was given to producing more fruits and cereals, which are deemed to be healthy, and uh, mild discouragement to producing saturated fats and animals, for example? Oh, you could. I mean, that's then getting into the intricacies of what the policies would be. What our study did was... Uh, was to say what would happen if the healthy eating happened. So if we met the, the, the guidelines for a less than 10% proportion of energy intake from saturated fats, what would that mean to the, to the pattern of consumption of meat and, uh, and dairy products? Now, the actual policies to do that, they could be price-related policies, they could be regulation-related uh, policies, they could be the kind of push or pull, which is what you're suggesting. You know, you could either sort of penalise people for eating unhealthily or you could reward them for eating healthily. Those would all have different implications for the way in which that change in diet was, was achieved and they would all have different uh, benefits and costs attached to them. And that, in a sense, is like a next phase of, of where we would go because at the moment we don't have a policy we've evaluated, we have a, the outcome that we've evaluated, essentially. Professor Richard Smith from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. For Audio News, I'm Peter Goodwin.